Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I am Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. I am joined by Scott Powers, also of The Athletic. He just drove in from Columbus. Uh, how was that drive, Scott? Ah, it was, I decided to leave after the game, so I, I don't know how, how often I want to do that, but I, I did make it home and I uh, was able to wake up and help the kids. And actually, when I walked in the door, the baby was was up and greeting me at four in the morning and wanted oh, to boy. pay a bottle. <laughs> so we, we had an Matt, interesting morning. I, I used to have to do I, that all the time. I'm going to take a nap after this podcast. <laughs> Back when I was at the Post-Tribune covering Valparaiso University basketball, like, you know, I, I couldn't get trips approved. They would never let me go on a plane anywhere. So, like, when Valpo would be playing Cleveland State or uh, Wright State in Ohio or, you know, Milwaukee, Green Bay, wherever. Uh, one time, actually, Ohio State in Columbus. I'd always have to drive there and drive immediately back that night because I wasn't allowed to stay at a hotel room. And, uh... Now I have 1,300 career hotel nights 10 years later, so it's funny how things change. Nice. Yeah, I listened to a lot of podcasts and uh, books on tape and had some phone calls. And yeah, it was like, in some ways it was nice, Like, but uh, yeah, driving at three or four. Are morning. you a book on tape guy? I, I, it's weird, like, because I'm a big podcast guy. Like, in the last couple of years, I've become a big podcast guy. I listen to them all the time. Hardly listen to music anymore. I'm always listening to podcasts. But I can't do a book on tape. For some reason, I can't focus. Like, my mind wanders too much, which is fine during a podcast, but I feel like I'm almost, like, disrespecting the author if I'm my mind is wandering in a book on tape. I'll miss yeah, you know, I, I had some audible credits and then I just for, forgot to uh, cancel it. So I had to, you know, like I had a, like I wanted to cancel, but you had to use the credits before. So I ended up just buying a bunch of different books and I, I have like six downloaded and I feel like I'm all within like an hour of each, you know, like I just, I kind of like, oh, that's oh my God, you're, you're listening to six different books at once. I could not. Well, do well no, not at once. It's just like I, I, I bought it. And so they just stay there, you know, like oh, I, okay. I kind of <laughs> give up on it after a while. So I'll go back to it a little bit. And I, I was listening to a couple of, I got a couple soccer autobiographies and some soccer managers and um, yeah, some different things. But yeah, it was it was it was it was good in some ways. But yeah, driving three in the four morning, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I was a little bit tired on the way home. But yeah, that, that, that's a solid four and a half hour drive for me. And I live in Indiana, so that's an even bigger schlep for you. Yeah. And, and you know, the trip was uh, it was worth it, and, and, and obviously we, we want to be on the road at all times. But it, it was a little deflating, I think, for everyone, especially in Columbus, that uh, there was such an anticipation that Seth Jones's return and um, 
and it was, it was it was odd you know watching in the morning skate like you know you're watching it and you're sort of paying attention like there's a lot of players on the ice and I, I just happened to be watching a defenseman and I heard uh, heard someone get called over to, from the bench you know like oh come here and Dehan actually skated over there first and and they're like, no, it's not you. And they yelled for Seth Jones. And Seth Jones went over there and then he left the ice. And like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, like mm-hmm. they were still like, it was like toward the end of practice. So, um, and, and then he didn't talk to the media. And then you started adding it up. And it, it's it, apparently he, you know, he tested positive. And then they got the second test back later. And then he was, he was off the ice. And so, um, yeah, there was, you know, there, there was so much, you know, I, I assumed that he was going to get booed at some level in Columbus, you know, like, <laughs> like he, he, it was his decision to leave there basically, but it was, there was an anticipation and, you know, I was curious what, you know, what that return was going to be like. So it, um, you know, it gave an opportunity. I think Jacob Galvis may have played regardless. Cause you know, uh, Derek King said that Galvis was in even before the Seth Jones news. And I think Ian Mitchell might've been the healthy scratch. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, Jacob Galvis got a chance and a lot of guys played a lot of minutes and still played pretty well. And DeHaan and Murphy stepped up their game and, um, you know, the Blue Jackets had 26 shots of the Blackhawks, 20, 20 shots and goals. So it wasn't exactly an offensive game, but the Blackhawks won and, uh, they pulled two out of three of that trip, especially when, you know, when the Coyotes, the Coyotes was an awful loss. And then you had the losing streak on top of that for them to, to close out that trip, like close out that trip with those two wins, I think was uh, at least a positive, you know, positive for them. You know, I, I have I have access on the mind because I was listening to Richard Deitch's podcast with Mike Russo and Fudo Shinzawa and Emily Kaplan and Michael Farber this morning on my way to the rink. So uh, it, it's the little things that I miss. Now, you're not just the stories, but like I would in, in any other time I would have walked up to Galvis and I would have said, do you want it to be Jakob or do you want it to be Jacob? Yeah. Cause on the broadcast, they're calling him Jakob. I heard some people calling him Jacob. I've heard both Jakob and Jacob now since training camp. I don't know the answer. I want to yeah. ask him, when am I going to get a chance to add? I'm, I'm not, if, if we're on a zoom call, I'm not going to waste one of my, my question and my follow-up on that question. So this is, it's little things like this. Like I remember like Richard Ponick when he first came in, uh, the very first thing I asked him was, how do you pronounce your last name? And he told me it was Panik, where it's, Pa, but the, the emphasis was on the neek on the yeah. second part. He goes, it's really hard for for American people to say, but I felt like I'd gotten it down. And then the next year he came in, and it was Richard Panic all of a sudden. And I asked him why, because again, these are the things you can ask in an open locker. I go, I go Richard, wh- why did why is everyone calling you Richard Panic? And he goes, I got tired of everyone saying it wrong, so I just kind of <laughs> went with it, which just cracked me up because Nicholas Jalmerson did the same thing. He's his real name is Nicholas Yelmerson, but every single American pronounced it wrong, so he just said. Fuck it, I'm, I'm Nicholas Jalmerson now. I, I do think I do think do. it is I do think it is Jacob. Uh, I I think I misspoke there because I know you're not. No, but you're not. No, you're not I know, but I just I listen to the Ice Ice Hogs. Uh, you know, listen to Ice Ice Hogs games that Joey Z is always. Uh, you know, it's a Jakob there too. So I I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just it's it's one of those words like you 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 tend to like oh it's, well, it's sure. pronounced this way it's got a J yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think it is Jakob anyway um, but yeah but but that's like little things like that are one of the things I miss about being in the locker room is just getting clarification on either a play a coaching decision or someone's pronunciation of their name yeah, little things like that I miss <laughs> yeah um anyway uh yeah I you know. I, I was on the Arizona and Vegas leg of this trip. You, I, I don't know how you got stuck with Columbus. I feel like a jerk for that, but going, I'm no, going out west. I think that was my decision. So it was. <laughs> I had yeah, 65 and sunny both days, and you went to Columbus, drove to Columbus, no less. But um, you know, I did have your uh, your your sandwich that you like. So the uh, oh, the pot roast sandwich. I did have it for. That's lunch, worth so. going to Columbus. Like I, I, I will. I legitimately look forward to going to Columbus just for Hed- that. Hedger, Hedger, I, I called Hedger, who un- unfortunately had COVID. Uh, so we couldn't get together, but he, I asked him, you know, like, oh, there's my hotel. Where do I, where do I, where should I go eat? And then he 
you pointed me within a few blocks to uh, it's legit hip-hop. it's legit yeah. I've, I've been there before so i know that but yeah. it's yeah it was it was it was a good lunch so. <laughs> but anyway so the trip starts in arizona and they just completely hit rock bottom with that loss to the coyotes i mean the coyotes not only are they bad they are actively efforting to be one of the worst teams we've ever seen. And now they're going to trade Jacob Chitrin, who's signed for like three more years at a good deal and is like a Norris caliber defenseman. And just like, ah, the hell with it. We're going to trade him too. I mean, it's so bad there. And to lose there by multiple goals to a team that had never even held a two goal lead at any point this season, a staggering statistic. It just felt like rock bottom. They're like, it was over. Like there's nothing you could do. And then they turn around and they beat Vegas. And, and you know, which is kind of, you know, Typical hockey shit right there where it's like nothing makes sense. And then they go to Columbus and they're missing two of their top three defensemen, arguably, and Jake McCabe and Seth Jones. And they go out and they win. And and, and I know Columbus isn't world beaters, but they went and played a good, solid defensive game with a guy making his NHL debut playing 24 minutes. Yeah. I mean, and then all of a sudden you're on the upswing in and here comes Lucas Reichel. Think of all the prospects that we've covered that would have like died for those minutes, you know, like the the Spencer Abbott's who played one game for like five minutes, you know. Spencer Abbott started on the top line, though. I think we yeah, were in one De- game. I want to say it was in Detroit because I'm picturing the bowels of Joe Lewis Arena in my head talking to him. He played and one game and never saw an NHL. I again think it was Detroit. If it is Detroit, I should get a prize for remembering that. But it, 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 it's just amazing how, like, when you have a team that's mediocre to bad, how quickly things can change and how quickly the mood. Like, you win two two games in a row, and here comes Lucas Reichel, and there's something to be excited about, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, yeah, look forward to that game on Thursday against Montreal, a, a terrible team. Maybe they went three in a row. Maybe they, hadn't won, they had not won consecutive games since Derek King's first four games, which was two months ago now. Yeah. It was always loss, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, you know, just some overtime losses in there. They just hadn't strung anything together. And, you know, I, I feel silly every time I even say the word playoffs about this team. But if they were going to make some kind of miracle run, you have to be looking at a seven, eight, nine game winning streak, kind of like what Vancouver did when Bruce Boudreau came in, just to even be sniffing it, just to be even on the periphery of the playoff picture. So, you know, it, it has to start somewhere, right? So maybe it started with a terrible loss in Arizona and you turn around and, you know, you beat Vegas and then and it's on the upswing. Or maybe they lose to Montreal tomorrow and it's, we're just all dead again. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's hard to like build, you know, like that the, the narrative is it's like we all probably want to get behind it because it's like it, it keeps us all in, like, you know, entertained or at least in, at least engaged with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have so far to go like they need they need to string so many wins together and to have they need to really rattle off like, you know, nine out of ten here or something. And, and, and there's a lot of games left. So I and we have no I, idea what those games are yet because we don't know what February yeah, is no, going to be like. nice to know what the February schedule here is at some point. <laughs> Um, but, but part of it, and I, and I guess this is kind of a segue into Lucas Reichel stuff too, is that there's so many games left and it, uh, you know, they, they've, they've made a little bit more of a clarification of what the plan is. I, I, and you and I wrote about this in detail a couple of days ago. Um, and one of my points is there are so many games left of the season that, uh, the design, the plan to stick with it. Um, cause he may come in tomorrow. Like he's, he's going to be given an opportunity when he was on the line with what he's Kane centering was. Patrick Kane and Dylan Strom. Like he just may like, like, like if he has like three or four assists or whatever, like what, yeah, if what, what, if three, pa- what if Patrick Kane finally scores goals with Lucas Reichel as a, Kane hasn't scored in 13 games. What if Lucas Reichel's the trigger? You think Patrick Kane's going to be like, yeah, you can send him back to Rockford now. It's yeah. Fine. You know, I was, I was talking to someone, uh, just the other day about Kane and I, and I asked about, um, you know, about the, the, the supposed hip injury and what he's going through and whether that's led, you know, his shot problems and, you know, him lack of scoring. And, um, and the person, you know, who's pretty familiar with the game, like, he's like, he's like, no, it's, 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 it's more about getting shots off of passes, you know, that so much of Kane does is such a, 
um it, what he's had to do lately is, is is you know create his own shot and, and you know it's a uh a puck off of his own stick and that there's really no one creating for him so you, you see Kane like just maybe not forcing a lot but there's a lot more like not open nets that he sometimes would see and um and I think maybe the right center or the right combination would would fix that because obviously Kane was creating for Debrinkit and I think Debrinkit was creating for Kane a little bit but there just hasn't been that been that combination and the fact they've moved along you know uh, the lines along so much that there there hasn't hadn't you know like there hasn't been that cohesiveness so I, I yeah i don't know if reichel you know who knows i mean side clicked with hosa and, and and taves and you know coming into stroman kane you know that's uh i'm sure they'll get a lot of offensive zone starts and a lot of favorable matchups so you know they're going to put reichel in a in a in the most positive situation but to, to say that well we're going to put him give him a couple games and send him back to rockford and he's going to spend most of the year in rockford just uh yeah i don't know it seems it's hard to you know predict that sort. Of yeah, I, I asked Derek King directly. I mean, because he said that that was the plan. Just play, give him a few games, almost like a reward. Give him a taste of the NHL, and then send him back to Rockford, basically for the rest of the year. The team We're gonna, obviously they, they're burning that year. They, they the, do the not want to burn that season. Obviously, does not exactly. The team obviously wants to keep him on nine games or fewer this year. But I asked him, like, what if he's just fantastic? I mean, how do you send him back down? And, he, and he, King kind of said, "That's the plan. It's a marathon, not a sprint." And I think everybody in the organization knows where they are understands the overall situation and knows that they're better served by not burning that year of his contract. But it'll be really interesting because, again, if he's the trigger for Kane and Kane gets hot, and this is all conjecture and if stuff, but it's, it's you know, Kane said today, just, it's, it is what we do. And Kane said today, you know, just, just you know, from one practice playing with him said, he's got that speed through the middle I like. You know, he talked about that with Nick Schmaltz when that was his center. He likes guys who can just barrel up the ice with some speed because that's the game he wants to play. If he if if Lucas Reichel gets Patrick Kane rolling here, you're going to have a hard time looking Kane in the eye and saying, "Okay, Kirby Dodger Center again," because it's it hasn't been working with that. Uh, as for Kane's injury, he insisted today that it's not really prohibiting him from doing anything on the ice. He doesn't think he's lost a step. He doesn't think that this, you know you know Ben Pope of the Sun Times asked him, "Look, you've been kind of caught from behind on a couple of breakaways here. Uh, is that a sign that your hip is?" Because no, nah, you know sometimes you're just starting from a standstill and they don't have the same edge. And he he, he kind of explained it away. Um, now he's always been, he's like Taves that way where he's never going to really admit something is, 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 he's not going to use it as an excuse. It's just not the way he's wired to talk. I feel but, like he's got like, like he's shown bursts of speed at times where it's like, yeah. he's like, like he, he gets away from people still too. It like, should I, be pointed out. He is playing at a point a game. He's got seven goals and hasn't scored in third. He has got like seven assists in his last four or five games. I mean, he's just here, Alex, go score some goals. And but for just, him to have seven goals is, is just oh, it's, so, it's, it's it's mind blowing. And you go yeah. back to last year; he only had what, like three over the second half of the season. So he's got like ten goals in like seventy games here. I haven't done the math on that. Check that, but it's in that ballpark. It, it, it's kind of hard to believe. I mean, he he always thinks of himself as a playmaker before uh, score, but this is a big time goal scorer in the NHL who's going to have five or six hundred goals in his career. And it's kind of amazing how few he's gotten this year. Yeah, and problematic. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it, it's funny because I mean they've won these last few games because of like, Murphy Death scores the hot yeah. and yeah like it's just Riley Stillman, uh, Jujar yeah, Kara. They, they could have used that earlier in the season, um, but yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I, I, I and and a lot of these points are in the story we wrote, so please go read that. But I, I also wonder like if like if he's excelling, if Reichel's excelling in Rockford, um, and he and he does already in the NHL like. I know that they want like it's 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 best in the Blackhawks' interest, and I know that just debating people on Twitter this that you know like I understand like overall even the fan base seems to want him to stay in Rockford. Yeah, like it, 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 I don't know, maybe just it's 
my hockey sensibilities that you you want someone to like suppress someone i think you know just yeah. because they may be too good now and may cost you too much later. And I and I get that smart business and the Blackhawks have probably, you know, Stan Bowman's bad contracts have made people think this way or or think a certain way about development where they, where they probably messed up with Boquist and Doc and, and, and you want to get this right. But I think Reichel, based on everything so far, is that he's he's ready and he's probably closer, not that he's the Brinkett, but he's he's closer to that develop, develop model than, than Doc was even, where I think Reichel... Um, they, they took the necessary steps too, like for him to stay in Germany, like he played in the top division an extra year. He really excelled there. You know, like he's played in, um, you know, I, I'd say Germany's top division is, is not that far off from the AHL in some ways. Like there are a lot of former AHL players. Obviously, you're playing on a different ice surface, but then, uh, you know, like, like you've given him 20 games in the AHL. And, and again, I mean, and, and he may not be ready. Like, I have no idea. I just. Yeah, um, he might be terrible tomorrow. We yeah, don't like, know. yeah, I, I don't. And I, I guess that's the other point. Is <laughs> he's playing just, center in the NHL for the first time in his life. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. So, like, yeah, I mean, he may be. But it's yeah, I, I feel like I feel like for them to already have like a set plan is just it's uh, doesn't. Well, I, I, I know why they have a set plan, but I also don't agree with it. I think it's yeah. good to have a plan. I yeah. think the plan is the correct plan. But yes, I do agree that you have to have you have to be willing to have some flexibility with it. Like you said, Brandon Saad's a perfect example. They had no intention of Brandon Saad being in that lineup every day in 2013. And Daniel Carcillo blew out his knee the first game in LA. Saad comes into the lineup and never left until he was traded. So, I mean, if Lucas Reichel turns into that kind of player, you're going to have a hard time sending him back to Rockford. It's going to piss him off. It's going to piss Patrick Kane off. It's going to piss some of the fan base off. And you know this team hasn't exactly well, built like the a lot of goodwill. Is like on board with like, but oh, well, we know how quickly that changed. The guy comes in and he's just fantastic and fun to watch. And you know, all of a sudden the Blackhawks are interesting again. And you're not gonna necessarily be happy that you're spending all that money for a ticket to go see, you know, yeah, some other guy. Well, we'll see, just Henrik. I, I'm, I'm gonna be the Rockford Icehawks beat writer for the second half of the number season, one maybe. center Henrik Borgstrom. That has not. I mean, what what are we even doing here? So it's interesting that they made Reichel the center too, because when he, he was drafted, he was a left wing. Like that was the the idea was that maybe he could play some center, but they were they were drafting with the idea of being a winger. But once he got to Rockford, they really like, and I think his second year in uh, in Germany, they they wanted. Well, I think to that, see more, I think that's yeah. what really kind of set that course like, is that he was so good at it in that second yeah. year in Germany, and like, that that made him that much more valuable because you know if you're a center with his talent, maybe you don't go number seventeen, maybe you go number nine, ten, eleven. It makes that much of a difference. So you know the Blackhawks really think they've got somebody here, which at number seventeen is no short thing. And Christ, it better be because they don't really have any other forward prospects. You go back, go look at uh, you know uh, Scott Wheeler and Corey Promen and all their prospect rankings. Man, it's 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 just barren. It's, they have like 150 defensemen prospects that all could you know Galvis is a perfect example, a guy you don't even think of, and he steps in. They've got a lot of serviceable NHL defensemen, if maybe not top guys. What they don't have is any forwards. So yeah. they they desperately need Reichel to be that guy because they're not getting one this year either. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. 
Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I, I think the forward depth tool is best. It, it's it's Reichel, and then beyond him is, is Colton Doc, who, who's yeah. who's been, you know, and then uh, I think Arthur Kayumov still from from Russia, if he comes over, like he's he's probably a serviceable, you know. Max Lunov. Bottoms, bottoms, uh, bottom <laughs> six guy. Because uh, the problem is that they've also like they like for guys like Graham not to you know the the pan out and you know we've gone through this before but like Nicholas Nordstrom or Nicholas Nordgren who's like a third rounder or Jake, Jake Wise, Wise. Who's a third riser um, you know it's helped that Kershev's been better like the, you know a decent hit on a fourth rounder but they don't have like Kershev's not like he's probably not going to ever be a point of game guy or something yeah. like that like he's just he's a nice. He'd be a nice top nine, bottom six guy, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah, they, certainly they need I, I to not have that first round pick again. is just it, it, it's going to hurt them because they could really. I, I also I, I'm curious to see what Kyle Davidson, um, you know, Stan Bowman was so so aggressive with the uh, the Europeans. Like the Blackhawks have the roster that whoever you know. Like I, I started asking Corey Pronom for some names the other day about just whoever the top European players are. And, and it's really hard to come by the premier and light types, but if you can get someone that's Kubalik or Cahoon, like, I think you have something to sell right now, especially a forward, like you can step in and we're going to give you, you know, we're going to give you ice time. We're going to give you an opportunity. So. And there's a track record too. I mean, guys that have come to Chicago and succeeded. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm curious how to see how that plays out this spring. And, but um, yeah, no, yeah. Right. Like I, 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 I was surprised that I, I think a lot of people were skeptical a Reichel when they drafted him, like they, a lot of people didn't think he would go right where he did. Um, and, and then he, uh, you know, like he, he excelled in, in Germany, especially, um, you know, last year he was, he was better than I thought. I remember watching, you know, kind of doing like a shift by shift in a couple of the, his games in Berlin. And it was just like, wow, he's, he's really taken this step and analytics were really good. And then you see him over here and, um, you saw him on the, the smaller ice and in Traverse city or not in Traverse city. And, uh, when they played Minnesota, then that rookie tournament, you could see that there was something there. And then for Derek King to even say earlier in the season when he was still in Rockford, saying that you know we haven't seen this type of offense to tell and yeah. come through Rockford, like it was, it was pretty telling that even the organization understood that this that he has a chance to be special. I will preach some skepticism here. Just uh, the Blackhawks fans have been burned by elite prospect types before. I mean, Dylan Secura, I, I can remember Stan Bowman talking at a draft going, you know, we don't need to make a big free agent acquisition. Dylan Secura is going to be our big acquisition. And it's like, that didn't happen. And Ian Mitchell was going to step in and be a top pairing defenseman. And that really hasn't happened yet. And, you know, I, I, I would understand. And, and I would say that it's a good idea to come in here with some skepticism, you know, cautious optimism. Uh, we're all excited to see what the kid can do, but he is 19 years old. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I think the, I guess having gone through this, and Secura was one that I, you know, like I certainly watched Secura play a lot in college, and and what I didn't understand then was that how much he struggled to go inside, you know, like how how much of his uh, disability and you know just the, and and he was better than a lot of college players that it wasn't able to translate at the NHL level, and it's still it's still translating at the American League level where he I think him and Reichel are both uh, you know the top twenty in points and they both have similar goals and assists and and Secure just hasn't been able to translate that um, with, with Reichel yeah I don't know I, I guess with Reichel like I feel like the fact that he's doing it at the, at the AHL level and um, you know it's they have a four point game and I, I know someone said that they played some weak competition this past week but uh, the last time the Ice Hawks player had a four point game was was Spencer Abbott I think this, that was in, in 2015 <laughs> two Spencer Abbott references in one podcast. yeah like but I'm just saying for like for a 19 year old kid to put up the numbers that he has at a point of game um, 
I, I think there there's something there. And yeah, there, there should be some, you know, like it just hold off from uh, ha- handing him a crown. But I, I do think um, that that he's beyond just hype at this point. Like there's there's enough of a sample size and especially on even the smaller ice and the do it in in Rockford. I think there there is some benefit to saying that 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 he's probably further along to secure some of the prospects that have come through. So give give us you you've watched more of him than I have. I, I kind of leave the prospects up to you because it's your baby and you love it, and I'm I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, give us an idea of his game. Like wh- like what kind of player is he? Is he is he a pure skill guy? Does he you know maybe got a little more uh, compete in the corners than than people think? What what kind of player is he? Yeah, he he's uh, he. I- I found that he's a lot more skillful than I thought. Like I was, I thought he was more of like the grinding, you know, like um, I, I, I understand when they drafted him, like he was a lot of intelligence and speed, but th- there's a lot of skill there. And he's really good at just carrying the puck through defenders. And I think he's going to help the Blackhawks with, you know, entries and exits. And then um, he sees the ice really well. And 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 I, I think his development's taken a really big step. Like he comes from a, a hockey family where his uncle played in the NHL and his dad played and, and certainly thinks of the game. But like Berlin was the perfect development ground for him where, um, you know, like they every game, like, he, you know, he, he was coached. Uh, I'm blanking on the name right now, but he, you know, coached by a former NHL or, um, you know, and, and they went through every shift and, and you know, they, they, they worked them like they eased them in like, the, you know, the the. German top divisions a pretty tough league and they eased them in their first year and he surprised them by even making the team and gave him more and more and uh, they went through his shifts and just really um, and, and they gave him this you know became he became the number one center last year and just gave him more and more and um, you know I think they've made sure that he's a you know a two-way player so the defensive side and uh, back checking and, and I know they focus on that too like it, it, there's benefits to him starting the year and uh, you know it, it helped the Blackhawks they had so many players on the roster to begin training camp that it helped it's, that Reichel didn't like you know just have some kind of you know, like having this amazing training camp where they could send him to Rockford and made a lot of sense. And he, I think he's benefited from that too. Like he's, he's adapted. He's, you know, like I, I think he's learned how to be a better two-way player. And, um, yeah, and sometimes playing with NHL players, like sometimes brings more out of skilled players. Like he may, he, he may, you know, playing with a cane, you know, you like if, if he can understand how to play with Kane and do the things that Kane needs, like someone like Reichel may flourish because there is skill in the way he thinks the game and he's creative. So, um, uh, you know, I, I guess sometimes the young kids too, like you, you don't see as many of the uh, uh, the issues, you know. And, and I'm, I'm sure there, there's going to be ones like you know, like he's still 19 and he is like he's not, he's not, yeah, he's not coming and being Connor McDavid. But I, I think there are a lot of upsides of being that two way center and the with the speed he has and the way that he controls the puck and um, there, yeah, there are a lot of things to like about his game. So you know, I'm yeah, this will be the next challenge for him to see where he measures this level. But he's been pretty good, whether it's been in the German top division or even in the AHL now, where he's his game's translated pretty well. All right, on the COVID front, obviously Jones being in protocol doesn't help in uh, in McCabe too. Uh, but the, at least the schedule is a little bit loose here. You got Montreal and Anaheim home coming up, then the trip to Seattle, then three games off because the Edmonton game was postponed. You you hope that those guys will be back in the lineup and kind of ramp back up in time for that home and home against Minnesota. Uh, you know, God, I remember the days when Minnesota were the you know, the, the the little brother in that relationship. That's a good, good hockey team. And it looks like Kirill Kaprizov's on his way back. So that's going to be an interesting couple of, uh, battle there until we get into the kind of unknown of what February is going to look like. I mean, the Blackhawks are lucky in that the majority of the games they've had postponed were home games. So that's good for them. It's good for us, too, because we don't have yeah. to book flights at the very last second and pay top dollar to get them. But we really have no idea just how jam-packed that February is going to look. But, 
you know. What 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 which what Edmonton was the road game? Was that the Red Edmonton, Edmonton was only, the road game? Yeah, that one that's, that's supposed game? to be next week. I think. I, I honestly I can't even keep track at this point. Like I'm barely looking a week ahead. It's it, it was funny. Riley Stillman today said we were talking about COVID, and he goes, "You never know when the axe is going to fall on you." It's like the guys are just waiting around to get uh, yeah. pulled off the ice, like Seth Jones was. And it's kind of that's where we're at with even covering this team. It's just like you never know when that game's going to get the axe fall on us. So we'll just kind of let's let's look a couple days ahead. You and I we're not big planners to begin with, but oh my god, we're really not planning these days because there's just you just don't know what the next week is going to look like right now. Yeah, I was trying. I was thinking about it today, like how many players, like it's gone through much of the team, like at different. But but, points, the, like, but that first wave was in October. That's more than yeah, three like months that, ago. Yeah, like, 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 like Patrick yeah. Kane missed a bunch of he missed a bunch of time in like I think that was late October. Yeah. So you know that's you know November, December, January. We're coming up on the end of that you know ninety day window where they don't have to test. So those guys are going to have to start testing very soon, and you know it's a different it's a different variant and very transmissible and it's entirely possible that those guys get back on COVID protocol before the season is out. I think Dr. Fauci said it's going to come for us all. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I, 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 I mean, you, you had more kind of prevalent, prominent symptoms and I, 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 I wonder if I had it, you know, like I just, I don't, I had a headache and really just, that was it. Yeah. It Maybe a little shortness of breath when I tried to work out for a week or so afterwards, but um, it doesn't matter if you have it, you're not playing. So, yeah, no, I just, I just, I wonder, like, the fact that they're testing, like, I just, I think so many of us, especially if, you know, if we've had the boot, like, the two boosters now, like, I just wonder how much, yeah, how many of us have it and we just don't know, or, yeah, you know, like, yeah. that's what, um, well, yeah, like, I, I, mean, I mean, Seth Jones was on the yeah. ice yesterday skating fine, and then you just, right. like, oh, yeah, you tested positive, I mean, that's just the, I guess. The, and you go back to Jonathan Taves last, uh, you know, he, he said he, he thinks he, he, when he got it was before we even knew about it, like, it was, hadn't even you know, come to America as far as we were aware yet, but it turns out that, yeah, in late February, a lot of people were getting sick and, you know, so you just don't know. It, it, it's hard to know for sure when you're sick and when you're not, everyone reacts differently. Uh, tomorrow's game, the, I guess, uh, aside from Reichel's uh, debut is Andrew Shaw's legacy night and uh, against his old, his old team and in, in, in the Canadians too makes it a little bit more significant. And, and we actually have a, a fun piece that we started on when he announced his retirement last year and, uh, never really kind of finished it, and, and we, were, we were like, "Oh, we'll hold it for you know rainy day," and and it worked out this way. So we've actually added to it, and we got a yeah a, a fun story about Andrew Shaw tomorrow. Um, and, and I'm sure we talked a lot of this about about Shaw when when he first announced. And um, yeah, I don't know what for you. What what were the lasting memories of Andrew Shaw's legacy with the Blackhawks? Uh, it, it, it's really just his voice bouncing around the locker room, right? I mean, he was just so. It's funny because. Everybody thinks of Shaw. Oh, what a great, colorful character to cover. He's a terrible quote. Like, throughout his career, he was a terrible quote because you put a microphone in front of his face and a camera, you get him in a scrum setting, and he would just kind of lock down and, and, and just nobody spouted more cliches than Andrew. Every single quote was, you know, we just got to go out there and play for each other. That was his thing. Got to go out there and play for each other. But then, like, when, you know, when you stop rolling and you just bullshitted with the guy, I mean, you can see why everybody loved playing with him. He's funny. He's loud. He's obnoxious. I mean... I, I, I'm loud and obnoxious, so I have an appreciation for people like that. And he just, you know, you you hear it time and again that, you know, from his teammates is you need someone in that room that can keep things light because these guys take their work very seriously. Hockey players are an incredibly self-serious bunch. Like, this is not a loose sport. This is a bunch of guys that take every shift home with them and stew on it and, you know, grind their molars to the to, to powder thinking about these games. You need someone in there. Robin Leonard was like that last year 
where or like two years ago, I don't even know where the time is anymore. But you know, you need a guy in that room that's just bombastic and loud and silly and you know, just chirping guys and, and loosening things up because these guys need that. They need someone to force them into laughing every now and then. And Andrew Shaw, I mean, never mind that he was a pretty good hockey player, a twice undrafted guy who turned into a 20 goal scorer and a big time playoff performer who always seemed to come through in the clutch. Just his everyday presence in that room made the Blackhawks a better team, a tighter team, a looser team, all the things you need during those, you know, really tense, excruciating playoff runs. And even like right now, like these Blackhawks in October and November needed an Andrew Shaw in that room because you need someone to break that tension. It was, it was a, these were not happy players for a long time and they shouldn't have been, but you sometimes just need some kind of jackassy screwball in there just to, to, to keep everyone on their toes. And that's really the legacy Andrew Shaw has is his personality as much as his play on the ice. I, I thought one of the pieces I really enjoyed that you wrote about him was about how, how he grew up on a farm and um, shoveling and, chicken shit. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, <laughs> he just got to know. And it was cool doing the story we did yesterday. I talked to Brandon Saad and, and he was his roommate for, uh, early in their careers, and and inside kind of shared what you know what that was like and what Shaw was like, kind of away from uh, the room, and and so yeah, it was it was kind of you know like we we got a lot of different perspectives on, on Shaw for our story tomorrow and and different sides of him, but it was uh, yeah, I, I think everyone's, I, I think everyone who was around him, like I, I think Saad put it out, you know, put it that you, there was always a laugh, you know, like it, yeah. it just he made everything lighter, and then the fact that he was a good player, like it was like you could live with some of his annoyingness too, you know, like it, I think the. Uh, yeah, yeah, it I, wouldn't I, fly if he was like you know minus thirty and had three assists all year. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. No, I think the room would be different. So, um, yeah, so I'm sure that'll be. Um, I'm, I'm sure. Fans yeah, it's will funny. Enjoy. He, he's like he's like the perfect like he's 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 the example you go to. You know, when you, all the cliches about you know if you work hard enough, like like look, I was never going to be a professional athlete. No matter how hard I worked, I didn't have that inherent coordination and ability and and strength and skill and body type and all that stuff, but. There is something to be said that if you do have some of that and you just refuse to, you know, listen to what people are saying. This he went undrafted twice. He was all set to not play in the NHL. He everyone told him to give it up that he wasn't good enough to play in it. And yet, you know, he gets called up uh, the, at the uh, I think it was the 2012 season and just he scores in his first game. He's immediately just picking fights with like Hal Gill. Guys are six, seven, three hundred pounds, just going nuts on people because he just didn't give a shit what you thought about him. He knew what he he knew what he could do, and he was going to do it whether you liked it or not. And you know he's such a testament to dedication to the to just you know persevering through you know the how how di- a how difficult it is to get to the NHL and b how difficult it is to stay in the NHL every time i talked to him about that he said the thing i took from my time getting into the NHL was that i can never stop that i have to be that player all the time and you think of like a brandon hagel i think he's the player people most associate as an andrew shaw type because he's an effort guy and he's in that vein like i, I remember we did a, 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 a what sources a, what, what the scouts are saying piece last year and one of the scouts told me brandon hagel's a great player as long as he is 100% hair on fire all the time the second he lets up he's an ahl guy and shaw was that type and shaw showed that you can do it for 10 years that you can play that way nonstop all the time for 10 years and put together a really good nhl career win a couple of stanley cups make tens of millions of dollars i mean he's really you know, you don't think of Andrew Shaw as a model citizen slash player slash you know the stereo the the, the the archetype, but he's he's the kind of guy that young hockey players should look to and say, you know, that's that's how I got to play the game. Yeah, I did just with I, I guess obviously, I mean, I think his 
his career is also like this cautionary tale. Like it's oh, yeah. all, you know, like it's uh, like Hegel isn't Shaw in that respect where he's not that physical type player. And, 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 and I think as much as Shaw wanted to get away from certain aspects of the game, like that's what made him and it yeah. was impossible to get away from him and ultimately why he had to step away. And, and, uh, you know, as of now, doesn't seem to have any, you know, lasting, you know, I guess we'll see down the road, but uh, maybe hopefully for his sake that he stepped away at the right point, but obviously, um, yeah, just, I mean, the, the concussions and, you know, some of the stories he told, especially in Montreal, how dark those times were, too. Were like yeah. he, um, he he paid a price at times for how he played. And, you know, I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for how athletic he was and, you know, some of the stuff he did because he was a really nice hockey player. And, um, but it was all those other elements that made him, you know, the pest and all those other things that he had to do to. Um, yeah, well, you he, know, he, he turned to the stuff that made him get to where he was, and that was, yeah, it was, it was good and bad. Obviously, like it, it, it won him cups and it, it got him money. Um, but he also, yeah, he paid that price for it. Was it's always a risk reward with him, right? I mean, the way he played, the way he, you know, he's a little, he's listed at five eleven. There's no way he's more than five nine. But he would plant himself in the crease and just take the cross checks at the back of the head and tip pucks and off his shin pads and his stick and all that. You know, he came up and he wasn't wearing a visor, and everybody wears a visor. And the reason he didn't wear a visor was. In Rockford, he got into a fight, and he was wearing a visor because it was mandatory. And it like his 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 head got bent in a little bit, and the visor cut a huge gash in his cheek. And he's like, "I'm never wearing a visor again because I can't fight with a visor." And you know, a few years later, like so, he, he got took a puck to the face. So like they're t- trying to tell him to wear a visor. He put the visor on. He's like, "I'm going to be responsible from now on. I'm going to do this." And then like two days later, he's not wearing a visor anymore. Just, <laughs> yeah, he he was too uncomfortable. He yeah. couldn't not be Andrew Shaw, he, and he all. He understood the risk, and I think coming back last year, I mean, probably a mistake, probably the wrong decision, but even though he suffered another concussion, I think it's what he needed for closure, and he wanted it, and that's just Andrew Shaw. Like, whether you should or shouldn't, it didn't matter to him. He was going to do it, and damn the risk. And you're right. that It is actually a cautionary tale is that you need to find that fine line between playing at 100% craziness but also protecting yourself and not putting yourself in, in harm's way because the long-term effects can be lasting. And talking to him today, he said, you know, physically I'm fine. Mentally there's some, you know, every now and then there's something, but it's, it's nothing that, you know, he's, 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 he's being a stay at home dad. Now when the kids are a little older, he wants to get back into hockey somehow, but he's in a good place. He's happy where he is. He feels good. He's 30 years old. I mean, that's, he's only 30. He just turned 30. Yeah. It's crazy to think about these guys, these contemporaries of, you know, like Patrick Kane and stuff are retiring now at, 30, 32 years old, but, uh, he's in a good place and I'm happy for him. Um, but yeah, he, he, he walked that fine line and he was on the wrong side of it a lot. I, I the one I, with him coming back like that, the, the one thing I'm going to remember is just how, like, like his spirit around the room, like we weren't in the room, but you heard stories. Like I remember Ian Mitchell saying that he left him, uh, you know, like it wasn't a picture. It was like, it was just like a piece of paper with his autograph saying that you hold this, you know, keep this because it's going to be worth, worth, worth something someday. Like he, like he certainly loved just being around that. And I think for, for a guy like that, that's got to be especially like you hear that a lot from players that, you know, stepping away from the game and not being in the room is probably the hardest part of it. And that, that's got to be really difficult for a guy who's so active and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure his kids are enjoying all that energy and, and, and you know, getting that devotion now. And, oh, man, um, he must be like peak dad. Like, you know, as as a guy who's very dad, like I'm all dad jokes and dad's like Andrew Shaw must be like peak, peak dad, like on all the time. It must be exhausting to be his kids. <laughs> I know it's exhausting to be mine. Yeah, I might. Uh, I, mean, I need that for my babysitter occasionally, you know. <laughs> um, 
but uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that, I feel you know that and the Reichel. There's certainly things. Uh, yeah, tomorrow's game should be interesting for a couple different reasons. And also, Montreal's terrible, so they might win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, the Blackhawks have yeah three in a row would be something for them. So, um, yeah, we'll be. Uh, I guess we'll be back at this again uh, again next week. Got a couple games this weekend, and then uh, you're off to Seattle. Yeah, I'm off this. Yeah, first time in Seattle. I'm Go in- to the MoPop, the Museum of Pop Culture. It's really cool. Okay done um yeah it's it's a quick trip but it'll be uh, yeah it'll be good to yeah yeah a one-off to a four and a half hour away city that's uh it's it's an afternoon game too on monday so it's is it uh, yeah oh it's yeah. martin luther king day yeah oh so, nice yeah, yeah four o'clock central time nice i think i'm on a uh, red eye back so yeah oh, nice yeah so all works out so um yeah we'll uh we'll be back at the with Laz and powers next week for uh, mark lazarus i am scott powers and we'll uh, talk to you soon and i know that i can't fix it can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.